Hello everybody, I'm Matt Makuchi and you are listening to the Jazz Is Podcast. everybody, Jazz is online editor Matt Micucci here, welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today, a series that we simply like to call The Jazz is Podcast. It is brought to you in conjunction with Jazz is Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz is editors and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. Our guest on today's episode of the Jazz Ace Podcast is guitarist Ron Bossy. A graduate of Boston's prestigious Berklee College of Music, Bossy has been an active player and band leader for many years. In 1997, Bossy formed the Jazz Quintet Pursuance, but he has also released other projects under his own name, including his latest album, Burning Room Only, a collaboration with jazz great Jeff Lorber which we will also be talking about on this podcast conversation, along with other topics, including his bossy school of music, his formative years, and his theories on the collaborative nature of music performance and music making. So fire up on Audio Teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Here is our conversation with Ron Bossy. Hi, Ron. Welcome to the Jazz Ace Podcast. Matt, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's such a great pleasure to have you on. And uh, it's the first time we talk. And the way that I like to start off these interviews is with a little icebreaker question, because I'm always interested to find out. Uh, and what I ask is uh, for, you know, for the artists that I speak with to share an early musical memory that they may have, that when they think back to it, they realize that's where it might have all begun, uh, you know, started for them. And uh, do you have one such musical memory that you'd like to share with us? Matt, I love this question. And, you know, I have musical memories, you know, back as early as elementary and middle school and, and high school. But I would have to say the crystallization point was when I was a junior in high school, I had the opportunity to go to the great five-week summer program at Berkeley College of Music. And I took a music theory course there, among other courses as well. And one of the first assignments that they gave us was to write a song. And that was pretty, you know, daunting, you know, to be a, a junior in high school and to be at this incredible, you know, uh, musical institution, that being Berkeley, to get asked to, you know, write a song. And I wrote that song and we had a project band play it. Um, that was sort of the culmination point for all the students where you would write the song and you'd take it into a room with all these other musicians and they would play it for you. And when I 
stood up there in front of the class and, and heard them play this first musical, you know, artistic creation that I had ever written, uh, that was it. That was for me. I knew that I was going to be involved in music for the rest of my life. Would you say that composition still is a central part of your music, of the way you approach your music? That That is a really good point. You know, it was a long time ago, and it was one of the first songs that I had ever written. But Duke Ellington once mentioned that, you know, you write for the people in the band. And even at a very early age, when I first wrote that tune, I was kind of um, acquainted with the other students in the classroom and I, 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 I had played with them and I knew how they played and even from that very beginning stage I, I, I wrote the tune based upon what I knew they were capable of so even though that particular song is not part of uh, my vocabulary per se at this moment the 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 approach is still the same where I always want to write for the people in the band. I, I don't want to write just for myself. It's important for me to take into consideration the, the the attributes and the strengths of the other musicians when I write. You know, you see, this is really interesting. And uh, it brings up a point that I wanted to bring up maybe later in the interview. But seeing as we're talking about it, I guess it's kind of in theme and what you just said. Because before this interview, uh, to kind of get me all prepared and, uh, you know, and all that, in addition to revisiting your music and listening to your newer stuff, I took a look at some of, of the videos that you put out there, uh, including oh, some for the Bossy School of Music. I think it's excellent stuff. And I urge all listeners to check it out. Uh, you know, it's, you know, you're definitely going to find out some great advice and tips there but uh on one of the videos that i looked at you said something that kind of stayed with me uh you said that individual playing is great but playing with a band is where you experience real growth uh, i i thought it was a very interesting point i wondered whether you could elaborate on it a little bit sure and you know i think in all styles of music obviously playing with a band is you know really the most important part but i think in improvised music especially where the ultimate goal is to achieve like a deep kind of interplay with the other musicians um such as which is the case with jazz where you know improvisation is such a, a focal point you know you can you can practice and i'm a very dedicated practicer you know anyone who knows me knows that but you can practice until you're blue in the face but when you're playing jazz, man, when you get on the bandstand and, you know, someone, you know, the drummer does something a little different or the tempo, you count it off a little faster than usual, or, you know, maybe the pianist plays a chord that's slightly different than you're used to hearing, that changes up everything. So as much as practicing is important, you really, especially in improvised music, you really have to kind of cut your teeth playing with bands and 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 being very dedicated to that approach. You know, I hope you'll pardon the 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 pun or I don't know if it qualifies as a pun, but uh the word that comes to mind with some of what you said is pursuance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean pursuance is, you know, one of the defining bands of my career. I started my band actually pursuance you know, back in 1997, which is a real kind of straight ahead, modern, 
uh, jazz um, quintet. And, you know, we've been playing for years. It's got some fantastic, fantastic musicians. That term pursuance has always been a term that I loved. I learned it or I first heard it, I should say, um, because it's one of the songs on um, A Love Supreme by John Coltrane. But yeah, you always have to be, you know, pursuing the next level. And that's why I love that that term. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, we're jumping all over the place a little bit, but I wanted to get back to your, your very beginnings. And, you know, was it always the guitar for you or did you get started in a different instrument? And who were your influences that prompted you to start playing the guitar? Sure. You know, um, I started with saxophone, actually, right around fourth grade. And um, right around late middle school, early high school, I started to gravitate towards the guitar. And I, I think it was, Matt, you know, I think it was the era that I grew up in. I mean, it's like when it, it was essentially the MTV era, you know what I mean? And when you turned on MTV and you saw Eddie Van Halen playing Hot for Teacher, <laughs> I mean, there's no hope for you at that point. You know, it, the guitar was just like bigger than life to me. And th that's what prompted me to 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 want to play is those guitarists of those generation and also the, the generation prior to that. Everyone from Hendrix to Jimmy Page, you know, from Led Zeppelin, one of my favorite bands of all time, even Joe Perry from Aerosmith, ACDC, Angus Young. So, you know, it, it was largely rock and roll for me that, that made me want to play the guitar. The fact that you started with the saxophone, do you think that that had kind of an, an impact on how you developed your own voice in the guitar somehow, or even how you approached it at first? Yes, and, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because... I think that's always been a thread through not only my guitar playing, but also my writing as well. Because when I listen to a lot of guitarists and I listen to their compositions, they, for the most part, tend to be very guitaristic in nature. For example, even if I didn't know a song that I was listening to was written by a guitar player, I could probably tell that it was written by a guitarist. I think when people listen to my songs and also my playing to a certain extent, you hear music and improvisations that are, are largely horn based. And I think that, as you mentioned, goes back to my, my days as uh, being a saxophonist. Uh, as far as your guitar playing is concerned, rock and roll was your your entry point, let's say, as you, as you talked about. But when did uh, jazz come along then, come into the picture? Yeah, good question too, is, you know, in high school, we had a, a great um, jazz band and a great music program in general. So it's funny with me because even though, as you mentioned, my entry point was, was largely rock, I was never really in, you know, the proverbial you know, garage band when I was in high school and as a kid. It's like the first, even though I liked rock, the first band I was ever in that I played music on my guitar was the jazz band in high school. Um, so I, I think that that was really the, 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 you know, formative stages for my love for jazz. And then as I had mentioned, 
um, earlier about the Berkeley five week summer program. When I went there and I saw and met all these fantastic musicians from all over the world and saw that there were other kids interested in jazz too, that really helped kind of confirm and reaffirm my, my love for this music. The track you are hearing is from Burning Room Only, the latest album by Ron Bossy, a collaboration with renowned keyboardist producer Jeff Lorber, available now. We'll talk about this record in the second part of today's Jazz A's podcast conversation, but first, I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should also check out Jazz A's Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz A's editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz A's, jazzaise.com, and these Jazz A's podcasts. Go to jazzes.com and click on Join Vinyl Club. But for now, back to our conversation with Ron Bossy. Well, let's let's jump ahead then because uh, you uh, I want to talk about your 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 new album, your latest album, Burning Room Only. And there's so much that I want to ask you about it, but I want to start off with the title. Uh, any particular reason for this title? Well, you know, it's funny you ask and I'm glad you asked this. It's, you know, I think people who know me know that I say the word burning about a thousand times a day. <laughs> it's sort of become part of my vocabulary, you know, burning, blazing, ripping, you know, these are great, fantastic terms that, you know, musicians have always used to sort of um, explain an awesome performance, like a, like a burning guitar solo or a burning key solo, you know? So I've always loved that word. And um, it took me a long time to name this album. And, and I really wanted it to be organic. I, I wanted it to just kind of come to me one day. And Jeff Lorber, who is the producer, um, you know, would text me and say, man, what's, you know, do you got a name for this? You know, what's the name for the album? You know, he's, he gets excited about those things. And I kept on mentioning these different sort of incarnations of the, of the word burning. And one day he said, what about the burning room? And, you know, I thought about it for a second and I said, yeah, that, that's kind of cool, but I, I think it needs something else. And then I, I thought about it a little more. I thought about the word room. And then for some reason, the term standing room only, like, you know, when you're at a concert and they've sold out all the tickets and it's standing room only. So then I kind of applied burning room only. And I said, man, that is it. I finally got it. And, and to me, what it means in context of the album is, you know, Jeff Lorber and I, we really tried to pay attention to every aspect of this album. It's like the, 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 the people that we got to play on it. We spent a lot of time thinking about it. 
the people that we got to master it and to mix it, we, we really put a lot of thought in, into the, the, the exact right people to do this. So burning room only sort of captures that mindset. It's almost like there, there's only room for the most burning elements to be included in this album. So right. that's where it comes from. Right. And you mentioned Jeff Lorber, of course, you know, the jazz legend, Jeff Lorber. Yes. Uh, tell me more about this collaboration and uh, the history you guys share together and, and your work on this, on this specific project. Sure. So, you know, one of my good friends is, uh, Grammy Award winning guitarist Norman Brown. And Norman and I have known us, uh, known each other for many years. And we would always, and, and, and still do to this day, we, you know, talk a lot about music. He's just a, a very big fan of music and everything about the guitar and music in general. And, you know, he'll send me tracks and, um, you know, say, Hey, you know, what do you think about this? You know, do you like this? Uh, you know, you have any ideas, you know, and I'll send him things. And a few years ago, I sent him a few songs and he said, man, these are, these are killer. And I said, great. I'm, 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 I'm glad you like it. Uh, you know, I'd really like to collaborate with someone who's a top-notch producer who might be interested in this style. And he said, man, you got to call Jeff. So lo and behold, I, I, I call up Jeff. I send him the, the first tune, which is actually the last tune on the album. It's called Deep Cat. And you know, kind of the rest is history. It's like, you know, Jeff took that tune and he kind of changed the tempo. He added a bridge sent it back to me and I was like, man, this is, this is killer. And, and it sort of set the whole tone for the collaboration to come where everything kind of went in that sort of workflow where it would be me writing an idea or, you know, it, it could have been a partial idea, just a verse of a song, or it could have been the verse and the chorus of a song, or it could have been just a riff. And it would be me sending it to him and then him sending something back to me, or maybe he wrote something and it didn't have a melody and he sent it to me and it started this really interesting collaboration, which is something that in the, in jazz, I have never been a part of. I feel like that style of collaborating is something that you do a lot in rock and pop, but in jazz, like, collaborating with another writer is just historically not the norm. You know, you look at Coltrane and you look at Miles and you look at all Monk and all these great players and they seem to go it alone, you know? So, um, I'm, I'm really psyched about this, this, you know, this concept of, of, of collaboration in this style of music and, and what's going to come with, uh, Jeff and I. Oh, is that, does that mean that you guys are going to keep, uh, exploring this collaboration further? In the future? Oh, yes. Yes. Actually, Matt, we actually, you know, 11 songs made it to this album, but we actually recorded, I think, 16, maybe even 17 songs. So we're already into album two. Excellent. Excellent. And, and I also wanted to ask you about uh, some of the other musicians on, on, on the record. Uh, would you mind telling us a bit about oh, that? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, you know, one of my... Um, I think one of my favorite players of all time, saxophonist, is Bob Mincer, um, who uh, many people know from the Yellow Jackets. I had the opportunity of playing with Bob uh, years ago on a, um, a tribute um, series that I had produced. It was a tribute to John Coltrane, and I had people like the great George Garzon, Jerry Braganzi, 
Um, and uh, Bob Mincer was one of the players. And I had always hoped that at some point we would get to record. Um, so, you know, after around 25 years to finally get to do that was what was really special to me. We've also had the great bassist Mono Neon, um, who played with Prince and who's played with John Schofield and all these other great players. Um, uh, Bob Reynolds, who's a saxophonist with the band Snarky Puppy. Um, ben Shepard. Uh, who is a phenomenal bassist, uh, from, uh, New Zealand. And, uh, of course, the great no, uh, Gary Novak, who played with Al- Alan Holdsworth and George Benson. Uh, of course, Jeff himself plays keys, who just plays, you know, does stunning work. So yeah, we've had some really killer players on this. My final question, actually, I mentioned it earlier, the Bossy School of Music. Uh, you know, I've been watching some of the online content and I wanted to talk about it a bit more. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, just uh, about its genesis and uh, why you decided to kind of set that up and what's its mission? Sure. You know, um, it was 2004. So it's been uh, almost 20 years now. We formed uh, Bossy School of Music and the, the, the mission since day one was to create musicians that had that 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 would ultimately have a well-rounded musicianship in the sense that um not only would we teach them via private lessons how to play their instrument from a technical perspective but that we would also offer the um opportunity to play in our ensemble program which is a, a sort of band or group type of program that is similar to the ensemble program at Berkeley College of Music but we also wanted to empower these musicians in the sense that we wanted them to know uh, about audio recording maybe um a little bit about video production um songwriting ear ear training music theory um so I guess the bottom line is the, uh, the, 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 the mission is to not just cultivate and develop players, but to cultivate and develop very well-rounded musicians who understand everything from audio recording to obviously their instrument, also how to play with a band, um, and to understand different aspects of music theory and songwriting and ear training. Great, 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 great. Uh, Ron, it's been fascinating speaking with you. Thank you very much for joining us and talking with us on this uh, episode of the Jazz Is Podcast. Oh, Matt, thank you so much. This was a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. enjoyed my conversation with Ron Bossy and I urge you to check out his latest album Burning Room Only available now and if you love jazz and vinyl be sure to check out Jazz's Vinyl Club join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition colored vinyl albums mailed directly to you just go to jazzes.com and click on join vinyl club for more 
And as music from Burning Room only by Ron Bossy plays us out, I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazz Ace podcasts, our print magazine, and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website, jazzace.com. And if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt McCoochie signing off. See you soon.